0: basketball fans everywhere appreciate everybody for joining me uh you know what this is tate's take where basketball lives of course i like to call it the best the most entertaining the most informational and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast um remember to the word of the the word of the hour the word of the the, the day the word of the month the word of the week the word of the year uh subscribe 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 anywhere that you find your favorite podcast uh that being itunes google podcast red circle spotify stitcher as well as streaming live on uh periscope on youtube as well as on facebook and on twitch at takes take hoops t-a-t-e-s-t-a-k-e-h-o-o-p-s we're best uh, um on uh, the social media platforms. And you know what? I've, I've been working to try and get this guy back on here with us. I know that he's been crazy busy. We inch closer and closer closer to the month of march so let's go ahead and jump right into it because you guys know i love 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 my college basketball and i told you i had a really awesome guest coming in today so without further ado i want to bring in a, a good friend of mine mike deCourcy college basketball columnist studio analyst and bracket expert for sporting news big 10 network and fox sports make sure if you don't do anything else people Make sure that you give this dude a follow on social media. That is at TSN Mike, again, at T-S-N-M-I-K-E. Mike, how are you doing this morning?
1: I am very well, Deshaun. It's great to
0: see you again. Thank you much. I appreciate you for uh, joining me as well. And uh, as I said, just kind of talking about getting to... Uh, some of the questions that I have here because people have been ringing my phone off the hook like, man, I need some more answers to college basketball. What you're talking about just isn't cutting it. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to get Mike on I'm sure that he'll have all the answers for you. So uh, first things first, let's start out with this because I know that uh, I, this is particularly one that I know people had quite a few questions for in regards to um, the, um, the NCAA committee in terms of the seating and so forth. And I did have the opportunity to take a look at some of your uh, seeds from the other day, Uh, but I just wanted you to be able to elaborate on some of these ones that stick out for you like a sore thumb. I think the consensus has the one through four for the most part. uh, I'm sorry, the top one seeds intact and locked in Um, some of those twos, threes, fours, who's trending up, who's trending down? Who do you have for some of those two through four uh, seeds?
1: Well, Iowa's been a pretty consistent number two seed for me uh, as we've gone through this. Uh, They have not wavered much. Uh, They certainly had uh, maybe an opportunity, a window where they might have climbed onto the one line if the Indiana game had gone differently and then perhaps uh, someone on the one line had fallen. Uh, That hasn't happened yet, but it's certainly not impossible that Michigan... Or Villanova could could lose a, a league game. It doesn't seem like it's possible <laughs> or likely that that Gonzaga or, or Baylor's go, going to do that. But uh, one never knows. Uh, but Iowa's been a pretty solid two seed. Alabama has played itself into that. Uh, you know, uh, some friends of mine who uh, who talk college basketball uh, in another uh, venue uh, were starting to push them as a one seed candidate and. I won't say that's impossible, certainly if they continue in the, at the level they are. But I think they're behind uh, a lot of other people in line to get that because their non-conference performance wasn't strong. Uh, they were getting together, and that's okay. I mean, they were getting their their act together. They're getting this together, what you're seeing now, and and, and it's amazing what they're doing. But I think that there's still a question about whether or not uh, that would that would ultimately result in a one seed. I think that's going to be a challenge for them. Uh, still possible, but I wouldn't but I wouldn't say that it's it's uh, it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, you're you're looking at uh, Texas, which fell the other day to Oklahoma, and that was that was they were they were a solid two for a, a good two three weeks for me. And another another team that were at one point a one seed uh, before Michigan took that over. Uh, and so I, 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 th- they may fall in my next bracket, which will be published on Friday. Uh, that's certainly a possibility. Uh, but, uh, I, I, the team that I, I really like and is playing great and hasn't done much other than maybe miss some games because of, uh, of, of the pandemic is Florida state. I, I don't know what they haven't done that the poll voters waited as long to get them involved, uh, uh, in the poll, I think they just got ranked for the first time in a while this week, which I thought was kind of silly. I think the polls are kind of silly, but uh, if we're going to place this much emphasis on it, we can at least get in the ballpark. And Florida State is a not top 25 team was not in the ballpark. Uh, they, I have them on the three line and I think I could see them ascending and they have a huge game coming up against Virginia. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's that 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 will say a lot about the ACC regular season race. It will say a lot about which of those two teams uh, is is more prominent on the NCAA tournament bracket, and uh, so I, I, I had both of those teams seeded three in my most recent bracket, and certainly uh, the winner between them will 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 be a, a a candidate to climb onto the two line at some point.
0: You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that, and of course, for the people who don't know. Uh, Florida State, most impressive wins. You've got Indiana, Florida, Georgia Tech, North Carolina at Louisville and then a home game against Clemson losses to UCF at Clemson and uh, to Providence as well. And then on the opposite side of that spectrum where you don't have maybe necessarily that many credible or really overly impressive wins or, or, or against teams that are slightly above mediocre or whatever. Uh, for Virginia uh, uh, at Clemson uh, when they were ranked number 12 uh, a couple weeks ago and then against Georgia Tech with their losses coming to uh, San Francisco very, very early in the season uh, and then also to the number one team in the country in Gonzaga. So just a little heads up on uh, what to look forward to with some of those teams. And it's like you can't count Florida State out for the course, over the course of like the last four or five years, it feels like, uh, especially being defending ACC champions like how dare you even when they putting a lot of these players out which seems like every year big time athletes and so forth into the nba uh leonard hamilton always finds a way to kind of pull something from up under his sleeve and uh and make some noise and so keeping it within some of the seating how exactly do you anticipate the committee uh, to go about some of the seating because of the simple fact that uh, how we're looking at it right now is, um, you know, you've got so many teams. I mean, I, I think we're still kind of dealing with Villanova being inconsistent, playing games and things like that. And some of these other teams and Michigan is going to be another one that is out for a couple weeks. How do you think that the NCAA will fare how some of these teams will get seated uh, considering the circumstances if there's games they can't really make up?
1: You know, for me, in in doing projected brackets, I have tried not to punish teams too greatly for for not playing. Uh, I've mm-hmm. been trying. And, and one of the things that – one of the advantages Villanova had in retaining a one seed through what was nearly a month away from the floor was that they had gotten 10 games in before they uh, went on, on break or pause or whatever you want to call it, before they uh, disappeared – Uh, They had gotten 10 games in and they were nine and one and and there were not a ton of great wins in the nine, but there were some some solid ones and uh, and they had performed very well. uh, And they had just a one loss. uh, And so it it felt and and, and they were certainly vulnerable at one point. uh, If Mm -hmm. I remember at one point I was all set to take them down to two and put (laughs) Michigan in there because of what Michigan had been doing. And then Texas went Mm -hmm. out and lost to Texas Tech. And so there was no need to move the the, the Wildcats. So uh, and then and then, you know, for for the for the Wildcats sake, uh, when they got back on the floor, they went out right out and won two significant games, Went beat Seton Hall, beat Providence uh, mm-hmm. and said, you know, yep, we're that good. Don't worry, <laughs> we're, we're that good. Uh, so that but then you look at St. Louis, which has been off the floor for gosh, I mean, I don't even know what the time frame is a month, until, I think 32
0: days. Special.
1: Yeah. Until this past week. And then they finally got back and played Dayton and they weren't sharp and they didn't win. And I I had Dayton. I think I had St. Louis at one point as as a marginal four seed uh, Mm -hmm. after they had uh, uh, had started, uh, I think, seven and one. And so they were really hanging on there. And then I didn't feel guilty at all about dropping them to five. And then as teams, uh, as teams had started to perform well, Ohio State being an example. Uh, somebody's got to go down if they're going to climb up. And if Ohio State's going to go out and beat really good Big Ten teams and St. Louis isn't playing anybody, at some point you start to trickle down a little bit. So most recently, St. Louis has been on my seven line. Uh, And, you know, that's a tough deal because uh, if, if they had been playing, they would have been piling up victories. Uh, and so then when maybe they lose that Dayton game, if they had, if they had gone into that game and still lost, Mm -hmm. um, they, they, it wouldn't feel as bad. It wouldn't feel as consequential because there'd be a lot more victories to offset it. Instead, Mm -hmm. you still have only seven or so. So it doesn't feel like it's as strong a a resume. And so, you know, now what do you do with them? Uh, Do you put them in the eight, nine game and, and figure they'll, you know, they'll play their way out of it one way or the other. That's. That's a, and that's for now for a bracket that I will admit that although I want it to be as accurate as possible, sure, uh, and feel as accurate as possible, I understand that one, I don't get to pick the teams for the for the real tournament. Although I should, that I <laughs> that I don't get to, and two, even if I did, uh, I, I wouldn't be doing it now. So uh, so my bracket, while important, it's important that it be as accurate as possible. Sure. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't carry the finality of you're in or you're out, or you got to play, you got to play Kansas or, or Texas or whoever, or you got to play uh, Davidson uh, or, you know, somebody really good, but not like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, so I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be a challenge for the committee In, in, in football. I I don't know that it was as hard. I mean, they had to make some difficult decisions about whether Ohio State playing six games, seven games uh, was enough. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, they didn't didn't really have anybody to put in their spot. I mean, Texas A&M was very good and certainly would have made a representative show if they had. But they had played one of the playoff teams and been destroyed uh, by Alabama. And so, at least with Ohio State, you had... Well, we don't know what they would do. We know they've won all their <laughs> games and beaten good teams and beaten them by a lot and, uh, in some cases. And so we don't know what they'll do in the playoffs. So that's the way to go. Uh, whereas in this, um, you don't have that. You, 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 you're going to have to look at teams that played, you know, by the end, maybe 18, 20 games and others that maybe played 25, 26 games. And how that's do right. we measure the difference of that? Uh, that's the part of this that I don't envy on the part of the committee. That's that's the call that I'm going to have to ultimately make as well when we get closer to the end. Um, but I, it's it's going to be hard to project what they'll think.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, first of all, I do appreciate that clarity, number one. And number two, I think it's safe to say that the committee is definitely going to earn their money on this one. Not saying that they don't any other year, but. uh, I believe uh, believe it's
1: a volunteer position. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, And and, and the nice dinners that they can always enjoy as part of that volunteer position Uh, in the past, you know, they'd go out to a nice place in in New York somewhere or back when they used to do the the deliberations here in Indy. Um, uh, they. I think they used to go to Saint Elmo's. I don't think oh. they can do that now. Now all the food's got trucked <laughs> yeah. in, so it's sure not even, it's <laughs> not going to be the fun thing that it has been in the past for them. It's going to be a challenge for them to do it and do it right. Uh, uh, it's this is going to be the most difficult year ever for the committee mm-hmm. because of that disparity. Uh, because because the you know it's going to feel a little different. But I think that's you know I think it's only fair that it is for them because it's been for everybody involved the most difficult mm-hmm. year uh, ha- for the players having to uh, sequester themselves. And that may be mm-hmm. the best word uh, sequester themselves a- away from their friends, their families, sure. uh, girlfriends, uh, that sort of thing in order to try to avoid the virus as much as possible. Um, the Not being able to play in front of fans and get that exhilaration that you get yes. from either the cheers or the boos, because both, you know, in the right circumstance, the boos, you know, you're on the road and you stick, you know, four threes in uh, yeah. in Kentucky's eye. And, you know, <laughs> those boos, those those jeers, they feel pretty good if you're the player who did that. So uh, they don't get either of those. And and I, I give a ton of credit to the coaches and the players uh, and the officials and those who work the game around timekeepers and such. Uh, I give credit to all those people who have put a lot into having uh, this season happen.
0: There's a, I want to, I do want to ask you somewhat, I guess of a double question since they're both within the same two programs uh, that are both within the same state, actually two programs. that got really, really, really good recruiting classes, at least expected to coming in and that's in my home state. So I got these guys over me right here. uh, And then, uh, and then you've also got, um, Uh, How the COVID effect is going to take, uh, or or how what kind of consideration is the COVID effect going to be on the schedule over the course of the next week and a half or so for the Michigan Wolverines? So first things first, let's get Michigan out of the way, uh, and how you think that will affect them being out with you know because of the COVID circumstances, how that'll affect them, and then on the back end, uh, what what do you see? where does Michigan state go from here? They got a big one tonight uh, against Rutgers. And then they, you know, while I do believe that they will win some games down the line so they can solidify themselves a tournament spot, I can only imagine they've got some losses along the way coming as well because they're playing in the big 10 first Michigan and then Michigan state. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, from Michigan's standpoint, they've been phenomenal. Uh, they, they, uh, Jawan is doing a great job along with his coaching staff. Uh, the, the, the recruitment of Hunter Dickinson, uh, is one of the really cool stories in recent college basketball history. Guy rated uh, 43rd or so in his high school class, depending on the service that you uh, that you follow. I, I tend to to look at 24/7 Sports, and okay. I believe the number was 43. It might have been 44 for Hunter Dickinson, and he's been one of the two or three best freshmen in college basketball. I, I don't you don't see that a lot, and and he's been a difference maker for Michigan. Uh, and he, he's he's given them a definition in the middle that I I don't see. I, I'll be frank. I mean, I didn't see it coming without John mm-hmm. Teske. I thought that Austin Davis would do a very credible job, and you know, and battle and give them a toughness in that spot, uh, <clears throat> and and give them and give the the great wings that they have a chance to make the difference. Mm-hmm. And I I think Austin is is doing a fine job. But remember, they had to start the year without him. Uh, he was not available. So all of a sudden, Hunter Dickinson steps into the lineup, and it's like you forget all about how good John Teske was, and you forget mm-hmm. all about that heart that Austin Davis provides, and you're like, wow, this guy is something. I mean, he he finishes through contact as well as any big player I have seen. Uh, mm. I, I, I mean that. I, it 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 looks different than the typical finishing through contact. I mean, he does not rip the rim down on every one of those. Uh I mean he's not Daryl Dawkins finishing (laughs) contact. But he gets the ball through guys, through, through, through the guards of 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 the opposing big big players, and he gets it and he gets it to go home. And it's not like I said, it's not always beautiful, but it's effective. And that gives Michigan the chance to then uh, force opponents to make the decision between are you giving up the bucket to him or are you allowing our shooters, and don't we have a bunch? De Brown, Isaiah Livers, Franz mm-hmm. Wagner, uh, they, uh, uh, Eli Brooks. They've got some tremendous three-point shooters. Uh, Franz has had an unbelievable year uh, in terms of floor game. Uh, he's been mm-hmm. great. He's not shot the basketball as well as, as, as he is capable of, mm-hmm. uh, but he's made some big shots. And from a floor game standpoint, defensive standpoint, been ridiculous, rebounding, stealing the basketball, guarding the opposing uh, wings. He's been tremendous. And then you have Smith at the point, uh, who's been a complete difference maker. And all of that going together has made them one of the better teams in college basketball. They're not at sure. Baylor's level. I, I, I'm not saying they can't beat them. They're not mm-hmm. at Gonzaga's level. I'm not saying they can't beat them, but they're one of the best teams in college basketball. Yeah. And that one seed is, is definitely on the plate for them. Michigan State. You know, I, I I wonder how Tom feels. I have not spoken to him uh, since all this uh, shutdown began, but I mean, remember the last game they played uh, was the Purdue game on a Friday Purdue. night. Uh, Tight they were one. destroying Purdue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Purdue had Purdue could barely make a bucket. They could, you mm-hmm. know, they could. They for the first 15 uh, first minutes, left. it felt like it felt like they couldn't make a bucket if everybody left. Uh, <laughs> they came back. <laughs> and scored 42, I think, or so in the second half and won the game. And that's been sitting on on Tom Izzo's desk now for two and a half, three weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's been difficult for him. Very frustrating. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think it's also given them time to think about how they want to move forward. They've got 11 guys who can play. Mm-hmm. And the problem that they've had to this point in the season, to the point in the season where they became inactive, was struggling to find which of those 11 guys fit together best which were the ones who made Michigan State best and mm-hmm. I, and who and who was the best player to be on the floor at a given moment and i mm-hmm. think they've they struggled with that they have they have ha- had difficulty finding the right combinations and so they've had a lot of time to think about it and obviously they haven't been able to put it into practice sure. but one would imagine that by the time they get back out on the floor, they would have a pretty good idea of, one, who fits well together into a, into a successful unit, and, two, when we're in certain circumstances, what do we do? I'll, I'll use as an example the inbounds play that Purdue ran to win the game uh, yep. th- that we discussed earlier.
0: Trayvon Williams. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Trayvon Williams really bothered them down the stretch, and I just don't see how Marcus Bingham's not in the, on the floor in that circumstance. Even if you don't trust him to stand up physically – to Travion he's got to be on the floor guarding the inbounds man uh, with his length I mean and his dynamism he, he he would have made it extremely difficult to get the basketball in to Travion or anyone else and if the ball had gotten into to Travion he's quick enough to react from that Recover. baseline position to perhaps challenge the shot uh, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe it would have been risky maybe fouls or whatever but and maybe the ball never gets there because Marcus has that ability and they didn't do Mm -hmm. that. And those kinds of things are things that they've had the chance now to look at for two and a half, three weeks. And I think that they would have a better feel for how to guard that spot, guard that, guard that play. If they found themselves in that position again. And I've seen, you know, I've seen other teams give that same thing up since Uh, I saw UCLA do it on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Uh, They got caught against Stanford on the road and they gave up a a, a layup to Stanford's best scorer. I saw Kentucky do it four or five days before that Uh, baseline inbounds play, uh, gave up a a run to the rim and and didn't stop it. And so it, Michigan State's not the only one that did that, but they're the only ones that had Marcus Bingham on the bench (laughs) and didn't use him to try to make the inbounds pass more difficult
0: that makes for a very good point at least utilize him to be able to go out there maybe he can recover or alter some shots like you said and maybe make some guys readjust and so forth i think one of my biggest things personally for michigan state is has been that some of the guys uh you know they they nobody's really outplaying anybody else everybody's kind of bringing the same thing to the floor almost so to speak and uh And kind of got a very similar to approach. And, uh, you know, in some cases, just me personally, you know, I think that that there's there's sometimes when you need to go out there and realize, you know, when you're putting this uniform on, uh, there's some other guys that came before you that kind of paved the way for you. Uh, And you got to kind of take that with quite a bit of of pride. So uh, curious to know who the guy is coming out of the huddle or out of the timeout saying, I'm sick of this. We are Michigan State. We're the defending back-to-back-to-back champs, and we're ready to go to war because that's what we do here, crash the boards, rebounding, so forth, and physicality. And we're going to go out there and make them earn it if they're going to beat us. Uh, Real quick, one more question for you because I know that we're going to be really, really close up on the time. Mike DeCourcy, college basketball columnist, studio analyst and bracket expert for Sporting News, Big Ten Network, and Fox Sports. Um, when it comes to these blue bloods, okay, we, we, I'm curious to know who do you think is getting in and who do you think is not. I mean, Kentucky obviously has been abysmal uh, and uh, clearly look like they're not going to get in. They are one of the ones that will need this conference tournament in the event that there will be one. Duke is somewhere really close, according to a lot of people. I want to you know, see how you feel about that. I know Michigan State, North Carolina, a lot of those teams are like, who do you envision is actually going to be able to get in this thing, or are they as severely threatened as people are kind of saying right now?
1: I don't have much doubt about North Carolina at this point. I think they're trending okay. in the right direction. Uh, the the victory against Pitt earlier in the week was a was, was sort of a exclamation point by what I've been seeing lately. That's the team they've been. They they their, their guards are starting to get it. Their bigs are uh, are playing at a very high. level. Level, they're they're really impacting the games, and so I, I think that's uh, I, that's where that's the easy one for me. Uh, the difficult ones uh, begin with, say, uh, I think Indiana's a challenge to discuss because they certainly have an NCAA tournament level team, and they certainly have an NCAA tournament level uh, accomplishments. But will they have an NCAA tournament level record by the time mm-hmm. they get through? The, 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 the difficult Big Ten schedule in general, but even more so the, the, the stretch that they're in. I mean, they were supposed to play Michigan after they played Iowa, uh, sure. I mean, after they played Rutgers. And the Michigan Rutgers. game got set aside. Uh, but even at that, they still have a, a, a ridiculously difficult stretch. They still have another game against Iowa, a game against Wisconsin. At one point, they were, to, they were going to play four games out of five that were against net top 10 teams. And the only interruption in that stretch was Rutgers, which is certainly very capable. Uh, So they got the first one against Iowa, which was a surprise to many, including me. And then Mm -hmm. they lost the one Rutgers. Now they got the Michigan game off, but they still have uh, two more, the Wisconsin and the Michigan and the Iowa, the second Iowa game to contend Mm -hmm. with. And then from there, you just have the really difficult big 10 schedule where there are no breaks and if they're if they're two games or more above 500, I think they make it uh, if they I wouldn't be shocked if they weren't because of the difficulty of the schedule. I think I, I would suggest that I think they'll do it. Uh, they're more likely to do it than not. But it's it's going to be a challenge all the way down to the end because of that, uh, because of the, the, the Big Ten is hard enough and uh, they don't have a lot of Nebraska's left. Let's put it that way. Uh, they're the, Nebraska is the only team in this league that is not in some level of contention for the NCAA tournament. People want to Mm -hmm. dismiss Penn State. If you've watched Penn State play, you know that that's not a smart play. Now, I don't Mm -hmm. think they'll get there because, uh, again, uh, COVID pause cost them some games that they might have won, and so their record is deficient, uh, but uh, their team is not. I mean, they they pushed Ohio State to the very brink. Uh, yes. On uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a really good team. You've got to play that. The only team that, that you don't have to play great to beat is Nebraska. And if you're not playing well, they can take you down. So, yes. it, it's it's really difficult. Uh, Duke, I think I, I think Duke gets it together. But they have a stretch okay. of very important games coming up. They have Clemson and then they mm-hmm. have at Miami. Uh, and those, mm-hmm. and they, 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 it was a three-game stretch that began with Georgia Tech. They took care of business there. Uh, Clemson is still a very important game for them because they need quality. Uh, amazingly, Duke doesn't have a, an abundance of quality wins. The, the most impressive win they have now on their resume is probably a home Georgia Tech win. Uh, yeah. That's not a lot to get you in. Uh, mm-hmm. They have opportunities, but they need to start getting them because they also need to build the record up. So I think they kind of need to beat Clemson for the quality and also for the record. And then they need to beat Miami to avoid a bad loss. And if they get through those with two wins, I think at that point, Duke's in pretty good shape to, to get it back together. Uh, Michigan My, State, go same ahead. problem as, as Indiana. Uh, same problem there as Indiana. Difficult schedule. Bad power mm-hmm. ranking uh, with, in regards to the net. So they need, they need to continue to win games uh, to repair that. But I, I, you know, I'm I'm a believer in Tom. I think he figures it out eventually and, and gets it done. And as for Kentucky, simple, you got to win four or five in a row, depending on where you finish in the SEC. And you got to hope that there's an SEC tournament because if there's not, uh, I'm not sure how you get the. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure how you get the bid to get in.
0: Let me ask you this real quick, Mike and I am overly thankful and and, and grateful for uh for, for your time here of course and uh and I, and I know we're up against it do you have just two more minutes Oh absolutely. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Cause I, I didn't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're a busy man. We get started getting closer to March. What I want to do real quick is I want to welcome you into what our set, uh, part of our segment where we call it uh quick release. And it is essentially kind of like rapid fire questions and so forth. And you don't have to elaborate too much unless you want to on your answers. So okay. my first one I'm would be not elaborating as you can tell. <laughs> no, right. no, no, no. No, trust me, there's a really beautiful young lady named Linda Tate Walker, uh, who happens to be my mother. And trust me, she she knows that I'll give you a run for your money. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, When it comes to the Big 12 in SEC challenge, you have your Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, LSU, Florida, West Virginia, Auburn, Baylor, Kansas, Tennessee and Texas, Kentucky. Which one of those meetings, I guess, intrigues you the most?
1: Well, I, you know, I think I, I'm curious to see the LSU game, uh, Texas tech, uh, because, Mm uh, I, you know, Texas tech has an interesting case and I, and I probably have, uh, beaten them up a little bit, uh, over the course of the last month or so, but I don't like the, the, uh, diversion of reality, uh, you know, the divergence of reality and, uh, and, and, perception that exists with Texas tech, uh, Texas Tech was expected to be good. Texas Tech is pretty good, but Texas Tech is not accomplished at all. I mean, Mm -hmm. they have won two games against Quad 1 and Quad 2 in the net. That's two games, and they're ranked 10th in the country by the AP. Uh, The metrics love them, and again, they they love them because they are a good basketball team, but they Mm -hmm. are not an accomplished basketball team. And you'll mm-hmm. see, you know, there. I'm not the only person who does brackets. Maybe again, I should be, but no, nah, Joe Joe Lenardi kind of invented it, and Jerry Palm is is a wizard. Uh, and there's certainly other terrific people out there that do it, uh, you know, for uh, uh, for for major outlets. Um, but other places that I see, and I don't know about those two guys. I, I think I think Joe has Texas Tech pretty high. I think he has them somewhere around a four. I haven't checked Jerry's lately to see where he has. The Red Raiders, but they haven't earned that. I mean, they haven't. I've mm-hmm. had them as a six. I- I'm not going above that until they start winning games. Mm-hmm. And one win against Texas and one win against Oklahoma is not enough. I mean, they had West Virginia beat, didn't get it done. They had Kansas beat, didn't get it done. They played probably mm-hmm. the worst schedule of any of any team on my bracket. That's a major conference team I, in non-conference. Texas Tech probably played the worst schedule. They played one significant non-league game to this point, and that was against Houston, and they lost badly. Uh, and now they play LSU, which is not a great team, uh, not a bad team. They they're on my bracket, hanging on, uh, you know, by a fingernail. Uh, and so let's see what happens. Uh, what are they they have a chance to beat a team that's not a significant team? Uh, it's a mm-hmm. tournament team, but it's not you know a heavyweight. So what mm-hmm. do they do? Do it. A really good team, a team that deserves to be ranked tenth, deserves to be a three or four seed or whatever, is has to win that game and clock, and, and clock mm-hmm. them. I mean, you know, not mm-hmm. twenty points, but they they should own this game. And mm-hmm. so it, they did against West Virginia for thirty five minutes, but it's a forty minute game.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm done. I'll, so I'll, I'll shoot it, you. A- I
1: elaborate. Uh-
0: no, it's okay. No, 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 worries. No, it's all good. Of these, uh, of these, uh, one, two, three, four, five freshmen. I don't know about which one is necessarily the best, or between which one do you think is the best, or having the best uh, season. Uh, you've got Sharif Cooper, you've got Hunter Dickinson, you have, um, you have uh, Jalen Suggs, um, you have Evan Mobley, and you have Cade Cunningham. Which of those five uh, do you think is the best freshman or intriguing? Well,
1: if Sharif had been available to play from day Mm -hmm. one, I'm not sure that he wouldn't be the choice. The others, again, this sort of gets into the uh, uh, the divergence between uh, how many games you've played and what you've done. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sharif has been ridiculous in the games he's played; Uh, just a tremendous. And if he were a three point shooter he might be the best player in the country. He's not. And so that, you know, that that weighs against him a little. But, I mean, uh, he is just dazzling. It's just tremendous. Uh, Cunningham, I I would say at this point, has been the best of the freshmen uh, because he's been asked to do a lot, been asked to carry a heavy load. Uh, Oklahoma State does not have the roster that Gonzaga does. Uh, So, you know, it'll be up to the teams in the NBA to decide which one they like better, and I may eventually – uh, you know, look more closely at which one looks more like a like the number one overall pick. Uh, that's not really today's argument. That's for later no. on. And for now, sure. it's who's having the best college season. And I would go with Cade. Uh, ask the rebound, ask to, to play playmake, ask to score a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and for a team that now has NCAA tournament ambitions, even though they were told uh, that they were on a one year ban, they're appealing. Uh, that appeal is still out there. I've been told by the NCAA that as long as that appeal is active and not decided, they are eligible for this year's tournament. So I, I, they're going to want to put uh, the uh, appeal on a four-corner stall uh, and not have it heard uh, so that they can get into the show. And then maybe next <laughs> year when they don't have paid, if that, if that appeal goes the wrong way, then they'll serve the band.
0: Just three more of these with you, Mike. Uh, are you taking the combination of Gonzaga and Baylor for the national championship, or do you take the field?
1: Yeah, that's a tough question. It really is because you get sixty-six other teams. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I've said, and I've been asked this before, and I think pretty sure I said the field in that. And the closer we get, and the more I see of Baylor's defense, and the more I see of Gonzaga's offense, offense. The more I know. I think. Oh man. I want those guys. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip-flop a rare flip-flop and I'm gonna go with the Zags and the and the Bears.
0: Okay, okay. Um the mid-major team that can make a surprise run, maybe somebody that nobody's really paying attention to very much right now. Who is that team that you've been keeping a close eye on? And when you see them, you say, Man, this team could really make a run, potentially maybe even all the way to the final four, or just second weekend for sure. You feel really good about them being a second weekend lock.
1: Really, well, I wouldn't say lock. Uh, they're,
0: you know, All but it's a lock. Hard.
1: It's, hard to, it's hard to go from a 12 seed or an 11 seed to the second weekend. It's been done, but it's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some of that depends on, okay, well, who, are, who is your five if you're a 12? And who's the four? Uh, a lot of it depends on that because you can – you know, the committee can inflate or, the, or just you – know, like let's, say, let's say Clemson plays its way into a five and mm-hmm. you're the 12 and you can score. Mm-hmm um mm-hmm. and, you know then you got a shot because clemson can't score i mean they, they mm-hmm. can guard the heck out of you and they can make mm-hmm. it miserable for you but if you can fight through that you can beat them and so let's mm-hmm. say you know and if if that's the case i mean the team that i'm gonna say belmont they can score uh mm-hmm. that's a, that's a really good offensive basketball always
0: dangerous mike always dangerous yeah.
1: They've been playing great. I love Nick Musinski. Uh, Moose is a is a is a great kid and a terrific big guy. And uh, and and Smith in the backcourt has is having a terrific uh, first year transfer. I wrote about him a couple of weeks ago uh, for Sporting News. Transferred up from Division Three. Kind of the the of idea. The next Duncan Robinson. I don't think he's Duncan because Duncan ended up playing <laughs> starting in the finals <laughs> in the NBA. I don't think that's going to happen for Smith. Uh, for Luke Smith at uh, Belmont, but uh, but he's very good. And they have several other players around those those two. Uh, They're going to be really dangerous in the tournament.
0: My very last one for you. Is Houston the most disrespected team in the top 25? I just kind of feel like they're one of those teams that it's like nobody's still paying attention to them very much. They're always overlooking them. And I think that they are quality Final Four team, especially in a year like this, maybe. Are they the most disrespected team maybe in the top 25 or most overlooked?
1: I'm going to say no, and, and the reason I'm going to say no is I think that Texas Tech win brought them credibility that, uh, that if they had not had the opportunity, uh, perhaps uh, they wouldn't. I, I think there are memories from Kentucky fans of how difficult it was to survive Houston in the Sweet 16 in 2019. I, I think if you look at the brackets, most have the Cougars around the two-line. Uh, and and, and, I, and, I, and in, in the defense of those who are not paying attention to Houston, no, mm-hmm. one in, no one in the American has stepped forward as a challenger, sure. and so it's hard to be noticed or you know, mm-hmm. uh, or for people to you know to get excited about you when you don't have those big games. Cincinnati has fallen back uh, I think they'll be back sometime, not this year, but I think they'll be back, but they've fallen back. Uh, Memphis started out very poorly. It's starting to come on a little. Uh, maybe there's some life there right. mm. Mm-hmm. So maybe when they do meet, there'll be some hope. I think they have two games uh, still to play. One was postponed from earlier. Uh, Sure. So uh, maybe when the Tigers play them, there'll be that, okay, now we got a big game to get excited about Houston. But if that doesn't happen, uh, they're just going to have to continue dominating and then get in as a two seed and show everybody that they're, that in a year when the American isn't overwhelming, they are.
0: Mike DeCourcy, uh man, I really appreciate you. And I'm sorry, man. Th- I, I, I do appreciate you and your patience and so forth and just being willing to stick with me throughout this entire thing. But I wanted to get this stuff out of the way and hopefully uh, have a chance to bring you back a little closer. We get to March, and I know you're going to be really busy, so that's okay. Uh, college basketball columnist, studio analyst, and bracket expert for Sporting News, Big Ten Network, and Fox Sports. Don't forget, if you don't do anything else, go and give them a follow at TSN Mike. Thanks so much, Mike, for joining me.
1: Always a pleasure to show you, You take care.
0: You as well. Thank you so much. That's my good buddy, Mike DiCorsi, right there. And glad that he had the opportunity to kind of hang around and stick with us for a little while. I hate to kind of... Hold the man for such a long time, but nonetheless, uh, overly thankful and grateful that he blessed us and graced us with his presence and uh, talking some college basketball and so forth to kind of give you guys a little bit of an update. So there ain't going to be no excuses if your brackets aren't filled out properly and so forth. I'm bringing the people on so that they can kind of talk to you guys through what's happening exactly around the landscape of uh, college basketball. So, you're going to get ready to get up out of here and uh, make sure that you guys are watching some of these games, full slate of games today between college basketball. And And uh, NBA games and even got some high school games that I'm keeping a very close eye on as well. Remember the word of the hour of the day of the week of the month and of the year. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe anywhere you find your favorite podcast. That being iTunes, Google Podcasts, Red Circle, Spotify, Stitcher streaming live on um on youtube also streaming live on twitch also on periscope and on facebook so for those of you who already have i thank you very much for subscribing already for those of you who haven't make sure that you go and do that please and thank you not only are you helping the young man out with uh making his dreams come true and the things that aspirations and uh and some of the goals that have been put in place for 2021 but also getting a nice little bit of knowledge everybody loves somebody uh that that or Everybody knows somebody rather that loves the sport of basketball. So don't save it, as I like to say, for the local sports bars. Don't save it for the local barbershops. Make sure that you do your part and you always have a voice here. Uh, on tate's take hashtag where basketball lives give a follow on social media at tate's take hoops t-a-t-e-s-t-a-k-e-h-o-o-p-s again remember hashtag where basketball lives we like to call it the best the most entertaining the most informational and the most educational basketball content in the form of a podcast on the planet um and um Really thankful for you guys joining me, man. Make sure that you, you know, when you subscribe, you know, tell your mama, tell your grandmama, tell your uncle, tell your baby mama, tell your enemies, tell your friends, tell everybody where they can find and subscribe. Uh, also you can leave us up to a five star rating as well uh, you can uh also leave us a review you know let us know what you think about the podcast those things make a big difference so i am appreciative for those of you who haven't and for those of you who will see you guys soon appreciate you for joining me and of course thanking mike decourcy uh for joining us as well have a good one